This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. I'm Arjun Sen, and I welcome you to this edition of Secrets to Win Big. You know, winning is fun, but winning big puts you on the path to long-term sustained success. And at this podcast, you'll hear from leaders from around the world, all walks of life, sharing their different secrets to get to these big wins. Now, of course, it's very easy to win, or it is easier to win when you have a lot of resources. But what do you do when you start with literally nothing, one unit, and no resources, maybe the only resource is you? You really have to believe that your end goal is what you can achieve and believe in yourself. My VIP guest today is Lucas Clark, a passionate marketing and consumer fanatic. And I really want to understand a little more on the fanatic part. He took the one unit Mad Greens restaurant to 30 units and created one of the first successful, better for you, fast casual brands. And usually the odds for most first restaurants to make it is very low. So with that kind of a negative odd to build this was priceless. And after that, he has taken Ninja Nation, a world-class obstacle course arena, focusing on helping kids gain strength. And I want to know more about how he wants to create a million heroes. One of the things he will share about his secrets is optimizing guest experience and driving. This is what I really want to know. What is Love Mark Moments? Lucas, it's a pleasure. Welcome. Thank you, Arjun. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time and uh, appreciate being here. Absolutely. So, Lucas, I have to take you back to day one. Okay, Everything was one that day. Okay, Day one, one unit, one person. What the heck were you thinking that day? Like, how were you so brave? Like, I want to know what went on your mind and what's the first thing you did that day? You know, starting in the restaurant, um, I, I was actually working in the restaurant and I had a marketing background from, from CU. And I started coming up with some ideas of, of ways we could get more customers and how we could sort of branch outside of the four walls uh, through through catering. We were down in uh, the Centennial area across from Park Meadows Mall. There was a lot of uh, offices down there. And so, you know, from day one, when I started marketing stuff, I started talking to the guests who were coming in and who were basically telling telling me, Hey, can we get bigger salads? Can we bring this back to our office? Can we can we do this kind of thing? And so it really started with you know that guest interaction and that guest experience. And from there, I started building out you know basically just going out to different offices and, and dropping stuff off, marketing materials that we that I made up myself with you know Adobe Photoshop and Marley and Dan, the the two co-founders of Mad Greens. We sort of collectively started passing stuff out to help grow the sales, not just inside the four walls, but on the outside of the four walls as well. Because if we were going to grow this concept to a multi-unit concept, we really had to get, you know, more people through the doors. But there was a limit to that because our space was small, 1,600 square feet. And we needed, you know, sort of that outside help. So talking to a lot of the guests, figuring out what their needs were, and then sort of extrapolating out on that. Wow. So as you have gone through that journey from one to 30, what were some of the biggest challenges and what kept you focused? Like what made you believe in yourself during that whole journey? 
Well, a couple things. Um, I'm believing myself. I'm a pretty confident guy, so <laughs> that was that was a good start. But you know, really believing in the in the product. That was sort of one of the reasons why I wanted to go with a startup. Um, I had worked with a, a startup previous to this called New Seasons Market, and you know, I was really wanted to be in in that excitement of the growth phase, mm-hmm. and so. You know, one of the biggest challenges for Mad Greens, um, you know, the food was amazing, big salads, you know, healthy, better for you foods made from scratch kitchen. Um, one of the one of the big hurdles we had to overcome was that a salad was a meal and the salad was something that you could eat six days a week and, and feel good. It doesn't weigh you down, doesn't want to make you go to sleep afterwards. Um, and all those things sort of you know, compelled us to move forward. We were confident in the product. We were confident in the process and how we were able to get food out fast, uh, similar to a Chipotle or a Noodles and Company, which were you know hot concepts at the time back in 2005 when we started. Mm-hmm. And um, that was that sort of gave us the confidence to move forward. Also, the people loved the product. That was the, the one of the key things. People come in every day, sometimes twice a day. You'd have people coming in for lunch, and then they come in to pick up a salad for dinner. So we knew. We were onto something from a product standpoint that people really, you know, felt uh, good about eating and really connected with the brand and with what we were what we were putting out there from a product standpoint. So, if you have to give an advice to a new Lucas who's starting on day one with Unit One, what would a few pieces of advice you'll give to Lucas Clark today if he was starting that journey now? I would say, um, you know, don't be afraid to to try things that, you know, try lots of things and, and fail at them and learn from those failures. I think that, you know, me being, um, you know, uh, a young marketing professional, I was really, uh, you know, striving to get things right, as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to try a lot of things to figure out what, what was the right way. Um, and I think that that's, that's one of those things that, Unfortunately, it only comes with experience is knowing, you know, how to fail forward and how to fail uh, enough times to, to be able to sort of grow past that. So, you know, trying a lot of things and also just, you know, use, utilizing the, the capital that you have, which is yourself, you know, spending time, you know, talking to people about it and, you know, thinking about it and going out and, and trying out products and testing things, whether you're in the retail space or you're in a product category, whatever it happens to be. Um, don't spend too much time in time insulating yourself um you know, really spend time out in the marketplace gaining as much knowledge as you possibly can talking to as many people as you can who you know are aligned with your product uh, and are using your product or or potential users of your product i think that those would be two key things that that i learned and would be very valuable for somebody starting out um you know right now it is fascinating and the two words that really stood out is fail forward help me understand a little more what you mean by that well you know uh, we all fail um, every day. You know, we fail um, multiple times a day, and we only succeed after learning from those failures. Um, which is one of our sort of core tenets at Ninja Nation is that um, you know we're teaching kids you know how to how to fall and get back up. Nobody ever uh, doesn't fail, and it's what you learn from that failure that sort of you can build upon to to your future success. And that's been something that has been you know, you know, been something that I've learned over the years and uh, I continue to just try things and, and see what the outcomes are. And sometimes they're small, small failures, you know, mm-hmm. small 
you know, and they don't have to be, you know, monumental failures. Sometimes that happens, but hopefully not too many times. And mm-hmm. then you're able to learn from that and move forward. Got it. So now let's take you back to Matt Green's 30 units. When you look back, what did you feel about the accomplishment and what was one thing that got you there? And of course, I want to know after that, what is love, Mark? What is it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dive into the love, Mark in a, in a minute. The, I think that the, the thing that really got us to where to 30 units with Mad Greens was, you know, a, a passionate team who loved you know, providing and producing great food at an affordable price, you know, quickly to the consumer. Um, and I also thought that, uh, that once again, coming back to the product, you know, the food was very, very good. You know, Marley and Dan, two, you know, best friends and, and, uh, you know, chefs came up with these recipes, scratch kitchen, didn't compromise on, on, on anything when it came to that. And that sort of stance from a visionary perspective helps drive that brand forward and people connected with that. Um, and you know, as we grew, we found out of uh, different parts across the country that you know people just love the product and wanted you know more more of those salads, which you know they're, they're tasty and craveable, and I could eat one every day for the rest of my life if you told me I had to for sure. And what's Love Mark? So Love Mark is uh you know, is a is a book that uh, Kevin Roberts from Saatchi and Saatchi um, mm-hmm. you know wrote in two thousand four, and you know really the overall scope of a Love Mark is. Um, is a a brand that has a a loyalty and a passion that goes beyond um, you know reason or comprehension. You know, consumers and guests can't really put their finger on why they love a certain product, but they love it. And it it goes beyond KPIs. It goes beyond sort of any sort of marketing you know research that we can that we can do because people just say I I just love Starbucks coffee. And sure, there's better coffee. There's mm-hmm. tons of better coffee out there, but they love Starbucks or they love Lululemon or they love, they just have this intrinsic, like when they see an ad or they see that brand, it just sort of like brings them, uh, brings them joy. And I think that that's, you know, you know, what all brands are striving towards. And, and, you know, uh, Kevin being the CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi for 25, 30 years, um, you know, wrote this book sort of explaining the process of, of how a love mark becomes a love mark. And, and, you know, one of the funny stories that he gives in the book is talking about how he uses the same shampoo um, and he's been using the same shampoo for 20 years, even though he's bald. Uh, he has like a little bit of hair on the sides, but he, he loves using head and shoulders shampoo uh, because he just loves the way it feels. He loves the way it smells. and but he can't explain it. He won't go to any other shampoo. So he's used that example as a, as a love mark. And, and that's, I think, what, what we as, as marketers uh, are trying to achieve is that we're trying to match up you know, our brand to the right consumers in a way that is genuine, that is, um, you know, helps them through their day or in their life in a, in a way that's, that's with love. And, and the, sort of the outcome of that is, is a passion for that, that product. Right. And, you know, you talked about the passionate team and, you know, Marley, Dan, and of course, they're amazing human beings and they would have been successful based on the drive. But I want to put you on the spot because in that journey, they could have success could have happened in five or 10 different ways. What was the Lucas Ness that took them 
forward. Like if you had to brag shamelessly about what did Lucas add to this whole thing? Because that followed your career. So I really want to know what's that Lucasness that brought them to this path? I'm not saying they wouldn't have been successful without you, but what's Lucasness? That's that's a that's a good question. And you know me, um, so you know that I I don't particularly like bragging about myself. But I would say that um, you know one of the things that I br brought to the team was uh, a different perspective on the consumer experience in in uh, in thinking about you know how this how every sort of move that we make, whether it's uh, uh, arranging a dining room in a certain way or setting up a register a certain way, is going to impact the consumer. I think that I have a a high level of, of empathy quotient um, mm -hmm. towards towards people, and I have a you know when I talk to people, I'm genuinely interested in, in what they have to say, and and want to take that feedback in and and you know, turn it into something that we can make you know the experience in the restaurant better. And I think that that's what I brought to to the team of Marley and Dan was that we we were able to work really well together in in developing our different areas and then coming together as a team to, to sort of build that up but you know really kind of looking at that and then also building marketing plans and strategies around that like driving people into the restaurant you know um really concentrating on social listening social media was starting to be a big thing back in you know back when we started and really paying attention to what people were saying about us online because it matters because that's how they really feel and and doing something you know with that information to make updates and changes if you have to do that all over again, start again and go to 30, what would you, one thing you would do the same, never change, and what one thing you would do differently based on hindsight? I think one thing that I would, I would keep the same is the, is the passion for the food and the scratch made kitchen and keeping things, you know, real food, real ingredients, like that we want, we want things to be, you know, as, as clean as possible. So I think that that is something I wouldn't, I wouldn't change. I think that, you know, salad dressings and uh, marinades and things like that can really, you know, you can taste the, the you can taste the, um, you know, passion in those ingredients when, when you, when you go to Mad Greens. I think that that's, that's a key differentiator for us. Um, I think one of the things we, we changed, which we did end up changing eventually, but just simplifying the, the offering. I think that we, we wanted to, you know, be, uh, a little, little bit too broad um, for for our guests, and I think that we wanted to, if we just simplified the menu, um, we could cut down in skews and cut down on on the queue line because there's less things for people to pick. But the things that they do pick are you know things we want them to pick. So, you know, simplification, getting to a simplification um, standpoint sooner, I think would have been uh, something I would have changed. Okay, and of course you left at 30 units, but if you stayed there. What would you do differently in the next phase to take it from thirty to hundred? I think um, I think when you start going from thirty to hundred, you know, really working on um, company culture and you know training and you know what, once again keeping that simplification going. I think that um, you know one of the things I've learned from a leadership standpoint is that you know culture and you know authenticity to, to people and to, to the team is is crucial in that next phase of growth. And I would really concentrate on that and concentrate on, um, you know, bringing the best ideas forward from the from the team at the restaurants and, you know, processes and things like that to just make things more efficient and, and simplified to, to the guest experience. It, all in the end, it, it's really just about getting the best product to the guests as, as, as they like it. 
So how do you define culture and how can a brand that starts from one unit, like when is culture formed? I think that culture is formed with, um, you know, with the mission of the company. And it's, it's something that, you know, somebody has to own at, at the company. And that's pretty much all they do is they, they talk and communicate with, with, you know, basically everybody. And in, in, in a, not necessarily in a trickle down way, but in almost in a direct way, um, you know, being able to directly send out, um, you know, a mass text video to all the team. Um, we just casually, not every, every time there's a big news or big you know, updates, but just on a regular cadence. I think that, you know, hearing from uh, the founders and from CEOs you know, on a regular basis to their team, you know, people really identify with that. And then when they're in, you know, the location, whether it's a retail or whether it's a restaurant, you know, having the you know, genuine interactions with, with everybody and taking those ideas and making sure that, you know, people know that, that they're accessible um, and that their ideas will be heard, I think is, is really important from a culture building standpoint. But I think it really starts, you know, from the onset um, and, and, and grows from there. And that one person has to own it and be out in front guiding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Owning it and, and being out in front, not delegating that out to mm -hmm. somebody else. I mean, they've got to be the one who, who takes it and, and runs with it. Um, and that's, I think that's been key with, with the number of leaders that I've worked with um, over the years to, to see where, where culture can take you. So big learning for me is cannot outsource culture. Cannot outsource culture. So no, <laughs> definitely not. Gen genuine. And, and also, um, it, it trickles back to um, when you do have big announcements or big changes, or let's say you're going to do a brand shift or a pivot, you know, all those little conversations, all those little communications built up over, you know, two, three, four, ten 10 mm -hmm. years, you know, add up to, you know, a, a level of trust and a bond between, um, you know, the founders, the visionaries, the, the co-founders, the CEOs, whoever is at that, whoever is that person holding that torch and, and everybody else that, that, um, you know, is part of the organization. Awesome. So now for those of uh, everybody who's listening, who is not in the restaurant, what would be one thing that is important for any business starting from unit one to 30 to hundred and beyond? What's the most important thing that works universally? I think the, I think the most important thing is to, to continue to be true to, to who you are as a brand and, to listen to your 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 consumers and your guests, and really have have that dialogue from day one. You know, word of mouth, as we know, as as marketers, is is priceless and almost impossible to track. So, knowing that we that you can, are doing the, everything you can from for your consumers to make their experience the best um, is you know is paramount. Whether you're Orange Theory Fitness or you know CrossFit or um, a ninja gym or a restaurant or a retail chain. You know, I have a friend that has a, a, a small retail chain, regional retail chain, and she is just the epitome of guest experience and bringing in products and things like that. And, you know, her retail um, is, is thriving in brick and mortar as well as, um, you know, online because she is maniacal about the guest experience and getting exactly what she, her, her clients and her consumers want and need. So you talked about Ninja Nation quite a few times, Ninja Station quite a few times. 
So give me a little bit more ideas about what got you excited. Tell me more about the brand, where you're taking it, and what's your vision? Yeah, so uh, Ninja Nation was started uh, in uh, early, like January 2018, by um, our, our founder and CEO, Wayne Cavanaugh. Um, he wanted a, a place for kids and families to be able to you know, do something physical and fun um, and have you know, great family interaction, but also have it be a safe space, a clean space um, where you know, people could c come together and be a community gathering place. And he stumbled upon the Ninja Gym idea as sort of a, an anchor point for, for this concept and, and built it out from there. He, um, we were connected through a mutual friend and um, you know, they, we didn't have any arenas or gyms at the time that I was brought on board in March of 2018. And, you know, he really sold me on the mission of a million heroes, which is getting a, a million kids and adults and families together to move their bodies in ways that they never thought possible and really challenging themselves to, you know, to try things that they may not necessarily otherwise try from a, you know, hanging on different monkey bar things to uh, you know swoop slider or a warp wall or, you know, all these different fun things that we have in the, in the arena that um, are all based on, you know, obstacle course racing um, uh, trusses and, you know, things that you'd see on the show, like American Ninja Warrior or Beastmaster, mm -hmm. things like that. And really uh, teaching kids and, and adults, you know, perseverance, determination, failing forward. That was a big one for me when, uh, when we talked about that. We wanted to build a place that all these things can happen in a physical environment to get kids, you know, away from video screens and, you know, moving their bodies and, and having fun. And what we've seen is, you know, we've you know, had, I think we're at 140,000 heroes, which are people coming through, individuals coming through our doors um, and people coming, you know, five days a week to, with their kids to, to have fun, to play, to train, and then also to compete. We do ninja competitions, uh, as, as well. So Ninja Nation is, has been, you know, we've, we've been growing like gangbusters. We opened three locations in three and a half months in two states. So two in Colorado, one in Texas. And, uh, you know, we've been re refining our, our programming and offering amazing classes. And uh, we do birthday parties. We do, you know, all kinds of fun stuff in it, it with an active uh, sort of tilt in that, in that ninja space. And then we launched franchising in September of, of 2019. And we have two franchise units that we're going to be opening um, this year. And then we're going to continue growing franchising um, for, for the foreseeable future. So, you know, you are an amazing leader yourself and you have worked with some incredible entrepreneurs and leaders. So is there a person or an incident that inspires you? And what is one of the core leadership traits that you always look at to be the most important thing for you as a leader? Yeah, um, I was, I was really, really inspired and, um, you know, impacted by uh, the CEO that I worked with at uh, New Seasons Market, which is a, a Portland, Oregon based grocery store chain. Uh, it's a, you know, really big in the natural foods um, side of things, similar to like a Whole Foods, but they also offer conventional groceries there as well. So not only can you get um, you know, uh, organic granola, but you can also get, you know, Cheerios. And the leader there that I worked with, uh, his name is Brian Roeder. And he really, um, he just had this amazingly authentic and honest, um, you know, way of, of his vision of what he wanted to see New Seasons Market be. He wanted it to be the friendliest store in town. 
and we had that on our back of our shirts. It's uh, the friendliest store in town. We on our name tag that said, you know, ask me for you know help or a free sample. And he encouraged us to, um, you know, open up a package of, of yogurt if somebody was looking at something and be like, oh, do you want to try this? And grab somebody a spoon and you know give it a try. You know, going above and beyond uh, for the consumer and and always being honest with people. And I think that that was sort of the the main leadership trait that that I took away from him was to be kind, uh, to be honest and and genuine with with every interaction, uh, whether it's a, a a huge group, you know, whether you have 500 staff that we're having a big big uh, you know annual meeting, or if it's you know a one on one with with a guest and and you know trying to do the best that you can for them in whatever they're they're searching for in the store. And from a leadership standpoint. That really had a, had an impact on me, um, and I was you know 18 years old when I worked there, and that's something that I've carried on you know ever since, and really trying to have those genuine, honest interactions with with everybody uh, that I come in contact with. Awesome. So to me, as you are now influencing the brand, talking to you know future partners and franchisees, what is the one business story that you hear yourself say over and over again? Um, actually, it's, it's I, I talk about the business story about Ninja Nation a lot. Um, you know, when when we're talking to franchisees, we're talking about people who are looking at opening their own business and, and in transition. And you know, um, Wayne's story, our CEO and founder of, of, of Ninja Nation, you know, his story of moving from investment banking to you know opening a a, a Ninja Gym for for geared towards kids is uh, that's a big a, a big change and. Mm-hmm. You know, he was looking for, he wasn't fulfilled in the investment banking world and the venture capital world. He wanted to do something that involved kids and involved families and involved fitness. And that really spoke to me. And I, I talk about it all the time in terms of making a life pivot and how important it is to realize when it's time for you to pivot in your life and to really just jump in, um, you know, making a, a calculated sort of educated guesses based on your experience, but jumping in to something that you're passionate about because, you know, we only get one life and we only get one chance at, at, at doing something fun that we love to do that, you know, will turn into something great. And, you know, if you're in a situation where that you may not be feeling uh, as, as much on a daily basis to get into something that you're excited about. And that to me um, is also another thing that really drew me into Nation from a mission standpoint is that, you know, he, he wanted to build this place that for, for kids and had this vision. Um, and, you know, we've made it a reality and you know, the, over the last two years really just, you know, exploded from a, from a brand standpoint and from a, you know, impact standpoint as well. Awesome. So you talked about from day one at Matt Green's, you were always talking to guests, trying to find out. You know, how do you listen to guests and sort through everything and find out what are the core issues, the core pulse of guest experience, what they need? Yeah, that's um, that's definitely been, it, it's definitely can sometimes be challenging because, you know, you know, guests will talk to you, some, some, some guests will talk your ear off, which I'm I sure you know as well. They'll sit down and you know, 45 minutes later, uh, you've got their whole life story. And I think what it's important to, to keep in mind, you know, is, is to be honest and to be genuine and continue that conversation and, and, you know, not, you know, end it too, too abruptly, but also pull out the, the elements that, um, that you think will help make their day better, make mm-hmm. their week better, make their 
sort of, you know, make some, make their way through life um, easier because products and services and establishments that have been able to do that uh, have been able to really give the guests um, what they need and nothing much more than that um, have, have really, really success, succeeded. And I think that that's, that's important. So always, you know, when you're talking to somebody and finding out, not just asking them, oh, well, how many times did you come here? And, you know, oh, what did you get today? Those types of things, but understanding how you fit in their day and, and how you fit that, that person's persona and how that match, matches up to the other, you know, people that you've talked to um, about that guest experience and about your brand. Of course, now I just want to move to a topic which is very near, dear, and defines you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm totally honored that I am talking to a three-time world champion track cyclist. Okay. Wow. It's like, you know, to me, it's like simply amazed. And I just want to understand what got you excited about riding, what got you excited? Like a lot of people ride, they go to different levels, but they don't push themselves to literally get to the peak. Yeah. So I just want to understand where this came from and what pushed you to go all the way. Um, well, you know, I, I, I think it's a culmination of a lot of things. Um, I, I've always been very competitive, uh, even though I've, I've not been overly good at lots of different sports. And I'm, you know, my best friend of 25, 30 years will tell you the same thing. You know, I've kind of been a jack of all trades, but master of none. I'm fairly good at lots of different little things. Um, but when I started bike riding in 2006, um, I was really just fell in love with the sport. I fell in love with, um, you know, the ability to, see new places on from a view of, of your bike and, and and just sort of get around um and so i started there i started with my first goal was to ride the triple bypass which is a bike uh, ride here in colorado that is 110 miles and takes you you know 10,000 feet um 10,000 feet of vertical and i started with little goals along the way um you know then i wanted to do my first race and then i wanted to win a race and you know you know from the from an amateur level and then sort of building the way up um, and you know, I think the thing that really excited me about riding was the, the daily challenge. I mean, I ride my bike every day, uh, and the daily challenge of, of the workout, um, at the beginning, let's go back 10 years. That was, it was insanely hard. Um, and you know, you just like you're getting repetitions on anything or, or logging your, your 10,000 hours. It's it's very hard at the beginning, but then you start to sort of bring it up and you look forward to um, pushing yourself. And about five years ago, I got, you know, uh, six years ago, I got really, really um, excited about pushing myself. And um, I started signing up for these you know, 10 day uh, European bike tours that were extreme um, to the extreme in terms of how much you're riding, you know, 120 miles a day and 15,000 feet of climbing. And I just sort of built it up from there and, and found what I was really enjoyed about bike riding, which was going fast. <laughs> and so when I, when I developed the, you know, the, the love for that, I started going to the velodrome, which is a uh, 250 meter banked uh, track. It's sort of one of the more popular uh, um, sports in the Olympics for cycling. Uh, you're on a bike with no brakes, the fixed gear. You only have one gear and you, you know, race as hard as you possibly can against the other 20 
27 people on the track um, to cross the finish line first. And that just to me felt like the best form of bike racing. You're going fast, you're in an enclosed area. You know, there's no variables like rain or anything like that. It's, it's just, it's just pure racing. And that is sort of what, um, what got me excited about it. And I set a goal, uh, in 2017 to, to go to the, uh, masters world championships, which was in, um, Los Angeles and 13 months of, of hard work and weight training and riding, you know, a lot, <laughs> uh, you know, culminated in, in five days of racing, um, which was, um, which was a lot of racing and, and yeah, ended up with, uh, three, um, world championships. Wow. wow. To me, it gives me goosebumps to just hear about your passion. And, you know, to me, this, you know, thanks for opening that true window inside you. And how does this person who never knew how to ride a bike, but didn't take this seriously till 2006, now in 11 years, you have achieved like, you know, not only one, like three championships. How does this help you in the business side? Like, is there a common or both are totally separate? Like, what's Oh, I definitely, I, I definitely think it helps in, in the business side of things. I think that, um, you know, having balance uh, in my life has always been, been a, a key part. You know, if you overload one side, um, you, you sort of, you'll tip the scales on the other side. But if you overload both sides, not overload, but if you load up both sides, then you sort of find this like teetering balance and, you know, you, it helps you with, with driving success in other areas. And I think that it's, you know, you know, being a part of a, a schedule, being part of setting goals is extremely helpful in the business world. And, you know, setting your, you know, 90 day goals, your 120 day goals, your year goals, your three year goals, five year goals, 10 year goals, that kind of thing is, is very um, applicable in endurance sports mm -hmm. as well, as well as in, in business, you know, having, and then being able to adapt those goals too. So, you know, adapt uh, adaptation is something that you know, endurance athletes go through all the time. You know, you, you don't feel well one day and you miss a, a small block of training. You got to adjust your training schedule. You, you know, miss um, some sales projections or your marketing campaign doesn't work or operations sort of, you have to be able to like problem solve and, 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 you know, and fix it yourself to, so you can get, still get to the end result and hit, and, and hit that goal. But yeah, I think that that's, that's been key for, and, and, you know, translates over into the business world a lot. It's just that, you know, ability to, make adjustments on the fly and uh, once again, not, not be, not be scared to fail and not mm -hmm. be scared to, to make those adjustments for, you know, that better growth. And if you fail, fail forward. I won't put Exactly. It. If you fail, fail forward. So to me, with every leader, I really want always ask and want to know what's the first thing they think of when they start their day and what's the last thing? Because to me, that gives an amazing perspective. So for you, what's the first thing that you think of and what's the last thing when you are finishing your business side of your day? Well, I, so I start my day um, very early. Uh, I wake up at 4.45 and I get on my bike. Um, so the first thing that I think about during the day is, you know, I, I check to see what my workout is and how, how hard it's going to be. And then I get excited. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be this is going to be hard. It's going to be good. Uh, sometimes on the easy days, I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy and maybe I should just do something harder because that would be way more fun. Um, but that's one of the first things I think about. And then once I'm on the bike, I start, actually start 
um, I start thinking about sort of things throughout my day and through my week. I go go through um, you know, a couple of things on my on my phone to check you know schedule and things like that. Just sort of going over uh, any things that I have coming up. It's a really you know my time to sort of think clearly about about work, but also about sort of my overall day. Um, and you know, I'm also somebody who really doesn't stop working. I kind of I'm thinking about stuff uh, throughout the day and executing on things. You know, pretty much. Actually, sometimes I've, I've been guilty of sending emails at five ten in the morning because I'm on the bike and I have an idea and I'm like, I can't forget to send this to somebody because I want them to know about it. And, you know, people will email back, oh, you're on your bike again. So, <laughs> um, so that's the sort of way I start my day. Um, and, and, you know, it's being in that routine has, it also helps me, um, you know, get through any sort of issues or anything like that that I need to work through um, on any given day. Yeah, so, you know, to me, before I formally officially thank you, I just could not, cannot think of somebody who fits the concept of winning big more than you because you know, most of us like to win. But most of us do not get to win big. And when we win big, most of us do not get to repeat our win. But even if you did that and won the three-time world championship track, okay, bicyclist, there's something you've done which tells me the skills you have are even bigger. And this one is very personal to me. I was just having fun as an amateur golfer. Of course, there was this competitive side in me where I wanted to win every tournament I played in, but I didn't want to say that because I knew I didn't have a path to that. I don't think you have played competitive golf ever. But the I'm, way I'm, I'm, I'm the worst golfer ever, Arjun. I think we, we should play sometime, but man, it would be We'll play bad. for money, we'll play for money. <laughs> but what you did for me was how you helped me prepare everything before the round. And the thing that helped me understand that preparation is in the details, where even you told me, how do you get an amazing night's sleep, where you check any micro source of light in the room. Like to me, I may have been the only golfer ever to travel with black tape <laughs> because of you. Yeah. And what was fascinating was I won six out of nine tournaments the year after. And I attribute only to you, because to me, I think that's the part where not only having the skill and that you have shown in your life, picking something in 2006 and by 2017 repeating, but you can transfer that skill to a goofy golfer. So I really think there's something amazing. And Lucas, it's truly a pleasure to talk to you today. So where can, they, where can people who want to get in touch with you, how do they find you? Where do they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, you know, I, I actually answer all the uh, Ninja Nation emails. So if you go to ninjanation.com, you can, you can, you know, hit the contact us link and, and you can get me. You can also find me on LinkedIn, um, which is just uh, Lucas Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E uh, on LinkedIn. And, and, you know, I have great conversations with, with people on LinkedIn that, um, that we all have similar interests. And uh, I love, I love talking to people. I love reaching out to people. So yeah, please reach out. So if you want to reach out to Lucas, go to Ninja Nation and just write an email. Lucas, this was incredibly amazing. And on total disclosure, 
Lucas was a student of mine at University of Colorado. And that gets me in gives me incredible pride to see the Lucas brand blossom and reach newer peaks. And today, I really think the student became the professor and taught me the following three things. Fail forward. You know, you just made failing so easy as a spontaneous part of life. And you just made me get excited that I want to fail because that whole excitement of getting up and getting back up is so much fun that I've never heard anybody talk about looking forward to failing. And that was fascinating. The second, I also love the way you simplified branding and you talked about being true to who you are and keep talking to the customer with just very simple authenticity. And the way you describe that one phrase that you want to be the epitome of guest experience. Again, that connects to not just to ride a bike, but also to be the world champion, not just once by thrice. And I really see there's a parallel between both at every place. And finally, I think, you know, you talked about this incredible concept about we all have one life to live. It's a cliche. It's a phrase all of us use, but we don't use it. Don't know what to do with it. But you talked about the life pivot where when there's an opportunity, jump in. Because if you find something that's fun, do it. And I'm really happy for you, the passion you have and an incredible team at Ninja Nation wish you the very best. And again, thank you, Lucas. So this was an incredibly fascinating episode of Secrets to Win Big with Lucas Clark. Thank you and talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Arjun. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.